0: To the
1: truck. Yeah, welcome everybody to What the Truck on this beautiful Friday afternoon from Freight Alley in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm Michael Vincent, the dude, and he is Dooner. What's up, my friend? Hey,
2: here we are sitting in the afterglow of Global Trade Tech. We had some really, truly excellent guests on. What the Truck, really enjoyed the sets there. We started a new band, the Intermodal Outlaws with, uh, with Daniel Stanton. Right Missed a supply chain. That was an incredibly good time. But, you know, before we get into things, let's give a little shout-out to our wonderful production team on the back end. You know, let's give a little cowbell to the team that makes everything run in the back. Harrison White, Cody Mathis, Jimmy Carden, Billy Coker, Emma La, Howland, Sarah Bizzoco, Brandon Bunce, and of course, Emily Zink, uh, Phil Moody on the back end. Uh, Haley Fazio, Fazio, and, uh, and everyone else who was sponsored and was a part of it and viewed it and shared it and, uh, and went along on that ride with us. We're still on that journey. We got another conference coming up in just a little bit. Today will be a bit of a teaser when we're talking about warehouse robots because that's an industrial space conference. It's going to be a wonderful right. time. What was your overall takeaway, Michael Vincent?
1: So really two things overall, uh, you know, the outlook was bullish uh, overall from from everybody on the future of of supply chain, the economy and rebounding, et cetera. But really the discussions around and, and they need to take place for us to to bring about all these efficiencies. But, the, you know, the, the discussions around collaboration, transparency, data sharing. And, and integration efforts really driving the efficiencies and flexibility, uh, you know, a, a rising tide, so to speak, because these discussions have to be there to to really break down these barriers and not hoard data and, and bring about true efficiency and flexibility in the supply chain. So it's really good, positive stuff. And a little shout out to Andrew Stinkorp, who's in the commentary, says, happy Friday. Vittorio
2: Lika. Hi. Hey, everyone. Let us know where you're where you're viewing in from. Get the conversation going, man. Highly interactive. We love talking to you guys. My takeaway was yeah. that. The intermodal outlaws, you, me, and uh, Mr. Supply Chain, look damn good in some cowboy hats.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to step up my my cowboy hat game, though. I just kind of picked that off the wall when I saw I got to step up my game there. <laughs>
2: so, a little behind the scenes, I didn't know that he was going to be putting that hat on. I, I suggested there was a hat there, but you hadn't grabbed it at the time. We come back from the break, and all of a sudden you're wearing this this cowboy hat that looked uh, pretty small on your head. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was the only thing available, bro. I, mean, <laughs> I saw Stanton. I was like, I got to wear one, too. I can't let him do do that. <laughs> hey, Jake McLeod's, Jake McCloud is in the comments
2: says, what's up, guys? You can rewatch all of the global trade tech sessions on the FreightWaves TV app or listen to them on your podcast player in audio. Look up the FreightCast feed. You'll get every single FreightWaves podcast. I just put up the keynote with Gene Soroka from the Port of L.A. Uh, every day on the audio side, we'll be dripping another one in there every business day on FreightWaves TV app. I think there are already up so you can relive the magic immediately. But uh, let's get into it. On today's episode, we're talking about Sarco's warehouse robot exosuits. We're talking about a bankruptcy that has left truckers uh, holding the bag, right? Thousands out, thousands of dollars. The Women Heroes of Trucking, Women Heroes of the Road Trucking Award winner. That superhero pose we have, that lovely lady on. We're going to go inside cargo insurance with travelers, and we're going to find out how to get retweeted by The Rock.
1: Yeah, right. That and that, that's a good one too. I can't wait. For- <laughs> Plus, we got uh, good news, bad news <laughs> concerning Nikola's next move, out of control truck in a school zone, and PlayStation Five, which I believe you got your pre order in as well, didn't you? We'll talk about
2: it in a little bit. But let's tip the band first. September is Pro Driver Appreciation Month, and Pilot Flying J is celebrating with a free drink every day in the app. It's a different deal every day. So log in and you'll see what's new. See pilotflyingj.com for terms and conditions. Eric Surtis says you look like Rowdy from the Cowboys. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Thank you, Eric. All right. Trucker owed thousands after Texas carrier files bankruptcy. This is up right now on FreightWaves.com. Clarissa Hawes reports. Several trucking companies are collectively owed hundreds of thousands of dollars after this Texas-based motor carrier filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection last week. That was a Felk Enterprises. They're from El Paso, Texas. Probably a few cowboy hats in that office before they went bankrupt. Filed its petition in U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Western District of Texas last Friday.
1: Yeah, that's right. And in its filing, Falk lists both its assets and liabilities as between somewhere between one and ten million dollars and states. It has up to ninety nine creditors. The Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration revoked Falk's uh, operating authority in February. Its insurance policy was canceled in January. Several small trucking companies are listed among the carrier's unsecured creditors. Uh, which are the, they're the last in line for payment uh, doing under Chapter 11 cases?
2: Yeah, it's gonna be tough getting that for them. It's gonna be tough getting that money in the filing. Falk Enterprises listed has filed a cause of action against the motor carrier's co-founder Caesar Arturo Lopez of El Paso. They say that according to the bankruptcy petition, the allegations against Lopez include breach of fiduciary duty, Texas Theft Liability Act violations, embezzlement, usurpation of corporate opportunities, and even fraud. So a lot bad going on over there.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a fairly uh, nefarious character to me. There's another SAT word for you there, Adam Robinson.
2: Yeah, I hope, he didn't, for you, I hope he didn't bury his treasure like uh, Arkansas Moe. Uh, Kenneth, <laughs> yeah. Kenneth Carter III says, happy optimism to everyone. When Craig, he's over in Laredo, Texas. Wayne, let me know. Did you hear? Trump's going to be banning the TikTok. And WeChat on Sunday. What are you going to do? I guess that you can't download it. You've already got it downloaded. So do I. Maybe we'll talk about that with you on Monday. We'll get to that later. Uh, Krug, Okay, so we, we were talking about this at the end of the uh, GTT yesterday. This story from John Paul yeah. Hampstead had just gone on the site. Uh, Krug out as Global Trans CEO, Feral back in. That's right. Phoenix-based freight brokerage and third-party logistics provided this is Global Trans we're talking about. Shout out to Rhonda. Announced at a company-wide town hall meeting Thursday that Chief Executive Officer Renee Krug was leaving the company. Bob Farrell, GTZ's executive chairman and former CEO, will be stepping back to fill the role. He's going right back into it. Farrell said that Global Trans was not conducting a search for a new CEO and that he's committed to the job on a long-term basis now.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and he went on to say, uh, Renee has made invaluable contributions to Global Trends first as the company's CFO and then as the company's CEO, Farrell, said in a statement. She has been instrumental in the company's growth and market leadership. I join everyone at Global Trends in wishing Renee all the best in her future.
2: Wow. And then Krug, she joined Global Trans in 2014 as the company's chief financial officer after a, a, a stint as executive vice president and CFO at Clear Channel. Prior to that, Krug had spent several years in Swift Transportation's finance department. She was CEO Bob Farrell's handpicked successor when he stepped back to become GTZ's ex- executive chairman in January 2019. She says, after six amazing years at Global Trans, I am stepping down from my role as CEO. She says she's going to be spending time with her family. Uh, Global Trans was in a little bit of trouble in June. Um, No indication this had anything to do with it. But in June, Moody's cut Global Trans credit rating to ACA1 deep into that junk territory. Looks like they're trying to make some shifts and some
1: rebounds. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing in some new leadership to make some shifts. Uh, But, you know, six years. Oh, Wayne. A lot of acquisitions during that six years as well. Wayne Craig
2: says he's a Canadian and Trudeau hasn't taken his TikTok away just yet. So Wayne Craig still has
1: that going for him. Car- there you go, man. <laughs> it pays to be a Canadian.
2: <laughs> power. Yeah, there we go. DHL supply chain price power Index coming at you. Carriers in auction mode, spot rates. Nearly $3 a mile on a national level. We're stuck at 85 Michael Vincent. Accepted freight renders... Yes, we are. Accepted freight tender volumes are accelerating on a year-over-year basis. Well, tender rejections have decelerated this week, they remain at historically high levels, though. We have gotten word that carriers are holding capacity until the end of the day before auctioning it to the highest bidder. Rates are nearing that $3 per mile on a national level, and rates are already above that in 51 of 100 truckstop.com pairing lands. If you remember last week, that was at 46
1: yeah, it absolutely was. And, you know, we expect volumes to bounce back quickly after the holiday distortion, right? That happens every year. And our expectations really have not changed in recent weeks. And we still believe the rest of the year has a bright future uh, or a bright, or bright for the market. Uh, Retail inventories are down 12% year-over-year, while sales are still up 11%. The possibility of another round of stimulus before the election would aid this argument, obviously. Uh, While consumers' confidence has faltered a bit, spending is remaining strong given the economic backdrop. Uh, and these factors lead us to believe that uh, freight volumes could end with a massive bang this year.
2: The big bang. We have written in recent weeks that we believe in the we believe in the upper bound of the outbound tender reject index is roughly 25%. We, have, uh, we rarely see the OTRI reach these levels, right? And when it does, it never stays above 25% for long. So this is notable because the period above 25% last time came uh, in spring of 2018. That was a very hectic time in the environment. If you remember in 2019, everyone was like, can we please stop comparing ourselves to 2018. It was a great year with a duration of roughly three weeks. Well, the most recent journey above 25 percent is the second longest of any in the index three year history. And that's why it's been stuck at 85 this whole time.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. And it it, you know, it's it's down a little bit, but I don't think there's no crash coming. That's for sure. I think volumes. And as you stated, all of us here are are looking at volumes and looking for a, a good a good fourth quarter, third into fourth quarter. Rhonda
2: says that Bob did an amazing job sharing that news. She was uh, at that town hall yesterday. I believe she works with Global Trans and uh, she's a uh, very complimentary of the company. So it doesn't sound like it was a big chaotic type of thing. It sounds like they just made some sort of change. They went about it professionally and they delivered the uh, that information to their staff in a uh, in a way that they all understood. So shout out to them. <laughs> We're gonna call. Uh, we're gonna call Craig Linehour at uh, at uh, Travelers Insurance. But we have a second, so let's hear about cutting that meat.
0: Senator Kamala Harris said she would change the dietary guidelines of this country to reduce the amount of red meat Americans can eat. Well, I've got some red meat for you. We're not gonna let Joe Biden and Kamala Harris cut America's meat. Oh.
2: Well, there there's that, Michael Vincent. I don't know where you go hey, for that one. That? I'm a vegetarian, <laughs> so I don't know. I, if they if they cut my meat, I, I don't know if I'd notice, but I know a lot of other people do, so hey.
1: Have I, I would. I, I've. I've got to be grilling a barbecue and meat every weekend, brother. I, I would not be happy if they took away my red meat. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would not be happy. <laughs> hey, let's. Uh, Where'd you get the backtrack for that? That music was awesome. That bro. was you, my man.
2: That was you playing it for. <laughs> we, we like the punk Wait. rock style. I, we got to bring that back. Punk rock used to be great. They put political simple samples in there all the time. It wasn't so partisan. You yeah. could just kind of just make fun of politics. That's punk rock, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. Stick it to the man. Stick it to
2: the man. Let's let's not stick it to Craig, though. Let's call him up. He's over at Travelers. Remember, we tried to bring him up on Monday. We got his voicemail today. I think we're going to we'll be a little bit more prepared, though. We got Craig Line Hour. He's claim manager, Inland Marine at Travelers Insurance, (laughs) dialing out to Chicago, Illinois right now. Hey, Craig, thank you for taking the time to join Dooner and the Dude on the air on What the Truck. Hey, it's
0: great to be here.
2: Yeah, man, we're happy to have you uh, introduce yourself real quick to this audience who uh, may have not have heard your
0: voice or met
2: you before. How'd you get with travelers and, and that kind of thing?
0: Oh, well, I've, tra- I've been with travelers for about 10 years now, and um, I manage the uh, in the marine uh, segment um, specific to transportation, um, and I manage that uh, nationwide. So, um, you know, prior to um being a traveler,s I was uh, I was actually a, a lawyer uh, and had a transport, you know, had some transportation uh, legal experience as well. So that's sort of my path. Wow, uh,
2: exciting! We just had our global trade tech conference yesterday. I Got to hear from Port of Long Beach, Port of LA. A lot of that inland cargo, a lot of ocean freight. Um, for those not familiar, let's just define it though. What would inland marine insurance mean? Just in case no one's ever heard that terminology.
0: Yeah, so inland marine is kind of a catch all, um, uh, you know, insurance uh, line, but. And and it's it's segmented, so it can include, you know, transportation, uh, builders' risk, contractors' equipment, and it can ha- and it can also have, uh, you know, some other lines in there as well, some some product like jeweler's block and that kind of thing. But but uh, I'm uh, I'm squarely in the transportation space, and so that's 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 my world. That's my piece of uh, of, of the In the marine pie. Thanks for that,
1: Cragus. Mike Vincent here. So. Tell, tell us, what are some of the most common types of transportation claims? We've seen an uptick in maritime, but specifically in transportation, what are, what are some of the most common
0: claims that you're seeing? Yeah, so, you know, the most common type of loss that we see for our customers happens when cargo becomes damaged in transit. Um, and this usually happens when the, the truck hits something on the highway uh, or it rolls over and causes damage. Um, but, you know, it's not always the case or, or necessary for the, for the truck to hit something on the highway for cargo to become damaged. So aside from collision losses, which we see the most of, another common loss that we see uh, is where the cargo isn't properly prepared for transit or it shifts while, you know, while it's in route. And, and this usually happens because, you know, it isn't stowed correctly and then the truck makes a hard stop. Or, or the truck takes a turn, you know, it takes a turn too fast, turns a corner too fast, and the stuff inside will shift and become damaged. So so that's what we see most frequently. I would be remiss not to tell you that cargo theft is a huge uh, leading cause, you know, of cargo claims is something that we see a lot of. Um, and it's something that insurance policies have ins- exclusions for, uh, or they relate to this risk. So Given that this is a very common loss, it's very important for everybody out there to read and understand your policy. Make sure you're covered for this threat and that you understand uh, any limitations that you might have related to this risk. So, so that's what we see the most of. Um, you know, while not as common, there are some other types of losses that we see as well. Uh, and those are specific uh, to, to you know, like weather-related risks, uh, water damage, uh, faulty trailers. Um, and then also, you know, risks from the cargo being stored in a warehouse. Cargo can be targeted when it's at rest and it's not moving for theft, you know, when it's being stored at a warehouse or it can also become damaged if something happens to the warehouse itself. So, you know, we don't see that as frequently, um, but I should say, and I should mention that when we do see it, that is a much bigger exposure, uh, and it tends to be a a more severe type. Uh, claim. so that, that's what we see the most
2: of. You know, I am the son of a uh, insurance executive. My my dad spent his whole life in the marine cargo insurance field in the in the Boston area, so very familiar with this terminology. But one thing I learned from him is that you really need a dedicated team to work these claims, especially when you start talking about Incoterm's and and all of those things. I think I think a lot of shippers don't really understand where their coverage is and where their coverage isn't and all of those blind spots and you know as you mentioned the the biggest thing in insurance is the exclusions right you have to know what the policy represents so how important is it to have that dedicated team with expertise
0: listen our our, you know travelers dedicated claim team in transportation and by the way the the difference between the marine line that you talk about that your father was involved with and the in the marine line is that you know marine of course is ocean freight right so it's Hmm. It's that risk while the goods are are on the on the vessel, and then the in the marine transportation that, that we work with, and you know, in my world, is when it comes off the sh- you know the uh, the container comes off the ship, and then it's moved inland, right, um, to its distribution point, uh, you know, and, and and that's what we insure. So, but but back to your question, I just want to make sure I clarify that. So back to your question about the uh, you know the dedicated planting, that's something that that we're really that that really differentiates travelers in the marketplace. And at Travelers, our, our transportation claim professionals are only focused on transportation claims. So they don't dabble in any other type of loss. And because of this, um, they develop a specialized understanding of the transportation industry. And, and they're also supported by other dedicated transportation resources as well. And these other folks include, you know, uh, folks like specialized cargo loss investigators, legal counsel, uh, surveyors, and salvers to help with salvage when the goods become damaged. So those other folks are very important as well. And let me give you an example or a couple of examples of why those partnerships are important. So for example, our network of in-house and external legal resources, uh, our lawyers, have broad-reaching expertise. Uh, they benefit our customers that do business in many different states and, and throughout the country. So, So let's say you know, by way of example, you're a New England based trucking company and you get sued in some far off place like Arizona, it can be a challenge for you to find the right transportation lawyer that you need in a state that's aren't, you know, far away from your home state. So the great news is that we have attorneys on staff with neat transportation expertise and, and also legal partners all over the country when and where our customers need them. Uh, similarly, we have a, an outside network of salvers who assist with salvers from coast to coast. And And these folks help us recover goods from an accident or a theft site. So, you know, by way of example, let's say we have that same New uh, England-based customer who's hauling food and beverage across the country, and then they're in an accident again in Arizona. And let's say that the cargo becomes damaged or displaced. Um, Some of that cargo may be salvageable, but, but the customer, because they're from New England, you know, they're hundreds of thousands of miles away and they probably don't know who to contact. So the great news uh, in the salary space as well is that we can help find a salary quickly, even for things that can spoil fast, like produce and food.
1: So Craig, we have uh, just two minutes left. So let me ask you, uh, you know, there's a lot involved there. So what specifically should people, what would you advise people to ask? What are the questions they should be asking when they're shopping uh, for an insurance carrier?
0: Well, you know, it's so critical to find the right insurance partner and it can mean the difference between getting back to business immediately or being sidelined indefinitely. So a couple, you know, you're going to want to find a partner uh, that speaks your language, understand understands how you can become exposed and who also has relationships with experts that help you in your time and need. So the two questions that I recommend you ask, the first is how and when do you respond to claims? And the answer to this is going to be telling because it's going to, help you understand the claim team that supports you, or it could reveal that you have a complicated layer of outsourced claim professionals or worse that they're not available after normal business hours, you know, um, on weekends or holidays. And that's important because accidents and exposures happen at any time. And you're going to want a partner that, uh, you know, is available when you need them. And then the second question, secondarily, I would say, you know, you'd ask is what type, what types of in-house and outside partners do you have to protect me? My business, or, you know, relationships and my commercial reputation. And you're going to want to listen to the answer to this question, and you're going to, want to listen to some of those things that I mentioned already, like attorneys, in-house cargo theft investigators, surveyors, and salvers to help you um, when you know with salvaging the goods. And that you know, and and if if this partner or potential partner doesn't freely share. Uh, these kind of details, you're going to want to make sure that you point out the types of people mm-hmm. that, you to, you know, that you expect to be in the network that you're looking for. Wow. So that's, that, those are the questions. Craig, where should we send them to? You know, if you want more information, uh, I would go to travelers.com.
2: Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Ask those questions before the accident happens, right? Ask the question. A lot of people like to ask the insurance questions afterwards. Ask them beforehand to make sure you're covered and get with your uh, risk mitigation and talk to to Craig and make sure you're covered, right? Take it easy, Craig. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, hey, exciting stuff about uh, insurance. You know, it's one of those things that you know you don't think enough about until you really need to think about it.
1: Yeah, people. T- you're, you're exactly right. Once the accident happens, or once the loss happens, then they're going. Oh, where's that policy again? Let's call these people and see what we got covered. I, I don't. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta get that information up front. And and excellent stuff from Craig there.
2: Yeah, you know, and it, like when I, the reason I mentioned Inco terms is you know my dad's doing insurance company, he did it with. Uh, they would always advocate for you know you want your ocean policy, but most of these shipments once they get off the ship, they're still moving by a truck. And if you have a policy that's just covering the ocean side, and you have a different one for the truck, or you're relying on like a sea i-term that covers the ocean then you go to the truck that can cause a lot of disputes between your insurance partners on when the damage happened by the time they open the truck up and pull the stuff out so having a, a nice scope of coverage there with uh, like partners is always a good idea
1: yeah it absolutely is was it braced properly was it the driver that did it was the ocean voyage that did it was the was it uh, the longshoreman that did it yeah you know
2: and then it's hard to dispute those things right hey we're I, it right
1: absolutely to- is
2: Hey, we're dialing out to Christy Martindale. She's chief marketing officer, chief customer officer at Sarco's Robotics. They have a super, super yeah. cool uh, product. These exosuits. It looks like something out of a uh, Edge of Tomorrow or that Ripley War in Aliens, but it's real life, and the future is now. We are the robots, Christy. What's up?
3: <laughs> Everything's great. Thank you so much for having me join your show today.
2: So, hey, real quick, what, your background. How did you get into? How did you get into robotics? How did you get involved in this racket?
3: So, you know, my background, I've been in high tech for my whole career. So, I was um, at Qualcomm, a wireless technology company, for close to 14 years, and I did all of the bleeding edge and new technologies. And then, when I decided I was going to retire from there, I wanted to see really how those bleeding edge technologies could come to life in real world applications. And I was introduced to the CEO of Sarcos. And It was just amazing technology and an opportunity I couldn't pass up, and I've been here ever since.
0: Hey,
1: Christy, Mike Vincent here. Can you give us a quick intro to Sarcos? what what you guys are doing there from, uh, you know, the warehousing, defense, et cetera?
3: Sure, absolutely. So Sarcos, has um, a history. It founded early in the 1980s at the University of Utah, and the initial focus and expertise was on prosthetics and biomechanics. And then, um, for a while, we were part of Raytheon, um, the defense division, and that was from 2007 to 2014. But then, um, in 2015, there was a management buyout, and the team looked at all the technologies, amazing things that were done over the history, and decided to take those technologies and focus on robotic systems, um, systems that would help augment humans' human capability and keep them safe and out of harm's way. So with that focus, um, it began with uh, a number of products. We have the Guardian S, which is a mobile inspection robot. The Guardian GT, which is a very large scale, power operated robot that each arm can lift up to 500 pounds. And then we have the Guardian XO, which is um, the very exciting full body powered exoskeleton suit that can lift up to 200 pounds. And um, as you noted, the applications, there's in construction, manufacturing, um, in logistics applications, there's a lot of applications where humans are out there moving stuff, lifting items that are really out of range. And there's a lot of injuries that occur as a result of that. So we're really looking at how we can help mitigate those injuries keep people safe you know your
2: team sent us a great video let's uh let's play it right now let's let the audience sort of see what we're talking about here because i think that seeing is believing so uh production please play that tape That's super cool. So for those of you listening on audio or watching right now is this video of these Sarcos robots and it's a man in a warehouse wearing this exosuit. It's a, it goes all over his body, supports his back, his legs, and his arms. It has hooks on the front. He's picking up packages. I believe it can handle up to 200 pounds with support. Really exciting piece of gear here. Looks super high tech. Uh, I feel like I'm watching a Call of Duty video. If you haven't seen the video, one, you can check out these videos by downloading the Freight Waves TV app. I believe Sarkos also has this on their YouTube page, so you're not missing out. But a uh, wild, wild be curious to hear from Christy what other applications this could have even beyond beyond what we just saw right there I mean warehouses seem like a start but um but it, the, the sky could almost be the limit you could see these in defense you could maybe see these in space maybe in sport I don't know Christy <laughs> tell us tell us what tell us all about it
3: yeah absolutely well we haven't um come up with any sports applications yet but certainly in defense defense is one of the largest logistics providers if you think about all of the equipment they have to move so definitely a a perfect application there as well as in manufacturing while there's a lot of automation in manufacturing there's many areas that can't be automated so we look at areas that are really not that uniform operational parameters so really more unstructured environment so if you think about unloading of trucks um tires are a big problem. They have to lift them and move them around the facilities. And so um, from construction to manufacturing to even um, in aerospace, when you look at uh, the repair maintenance that they have to do for these large machines, there's a lot of heavy lifting and also manipulating of heavy tools and moving items into place that can cause shoulder injuries. So definitely a lot of opportunity across narrative industries.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a there's a wide market to these things, I would imagine. How did you guys develop uh, the wearable?
3: So um, we've actually been working on this for about twenty years. So we had an early version in 2010 that was hydraulically powered, and it required 6,800 watts of power, which was just not commercially viable. So over the last twenty years, we've been focused on how do we reduce that power consumption of the suit. And so, luckily for us, you know. Uh, battery technology has come a long way and we were able also to reduce the power consumption. So it's now at 400 Watts of power. So if you think about basically what it takes to power your television. And so with that, yeah, we were able to really make a commercially viable suit and the full body design is intended so that any weight that's being lifted and the weight of the suit itself goes through the suit to the floor. So the human operator is not feeling and bearing the weight of the suit and our items that they're lifting with the suit.
2: Well, you know what? We have a little congratulations on it. I'll give you a little cowbell <laughs> here. You raised $40 million in funding, so you, you got a little uh, money to burn in development and, and get you know your nose back to grindstone, get more into his R&D and development and all that stuff. So what are you going to do with the money?
3: Just as you said, we're, we're right now um, working with uh, targets for alpha deployments, and as we're working closely with those customer targets, we're making sure... We're understanding their needs fully, and so we're focusing our energies and efforts on everything required to commercialize uh, the Guardian XO. So we're building out, um, making sure our engineering teams are staffed appropriately and making sure the whole organization is ready for the commercial deployment. And then just continuing to evolve the Guardian XO so that when it's uh, commercially available and out in the market, it's delighting our customers.
2: Wow. Uh, excellent stuff. Michael, any, any questions left on on this stuff? I mean, we're excited. You know, we have a uh, we have a, the Future of Warehouse conference coming up September 29th. And I think Michael Vince and I could come up with like a rock'em, sock'em robot sport. If you were to send us <laughs> yeah. a couple of those to the studio, we'll walk around with them during the program. And uh, I don't know. We'll see who who's lights out for.
3: <laughs> that sounds like fun. Maybe when that, you know. <laughs> Call us in a couple months. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the recreational version of it, uh, Dooner. That looks, looks like a lot of fun. It looks like you're going to have a lot of fun
2: with that thing. Well, Christy, if people, I know you have a flight to catch, so if people want to learn more about this stuff, uh, where do they go?
3: Uh, sarcos.com, dot com, and you can see all the videos, get all the information there, and, you know, certainly reach out. I'm on LinkedIn. would love to hear from anybody and answer any questions anyone might have.
2: Wow, Christy, thank you, for, thank you for introducing this product to us. It was really exciting. As, as, if you've been watchers of the show, we'll know we've, on What the Truck, all summer we were covering warehouse robotics and what's going on in the warehouse space and some of the coolest innovations in freight are going on right under those, uh, the, in those big rectangle roofs right over there.
3: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't
2: it? It really is, it really is. But it makes sense, too. You have a controlled environment. It's a great place to deploy tech. Like, it completely makes sense why that tech would be going quicker than maybe, like, autonomous trucking or something to that with so many more variables.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and right now, in logistics, especially in this environment now, there's just such a big need for getting the tools they need to move the product and get things done. It's, it's just definitely an opportune time to test and learn and, and move out new technologies.
2: Wow. Well, great stuff, Christy. Thank you again. We appreciate your time.
3: Thank you so much. Appreciate joining. Thank you again. Take care.
2: You too. Wow, she was Hey, Eric Sertas says, uh, "Hey, he's moving MREs." He says that he wouldn't. He said he wouldn't wear one of those. You, you will too if your sergeant tells you to. Eric Serda.
1: You're, you're darn right. He will.
2: Nico Brown said, "Question for <laughs> for Craig. Craig's gone, but he said in the past, insurance companies have given a small discount for companies that had tracking on their assets. Is that still a thing that is done?" Uh, great question. You should reach out to Craig after the show. Ask him if he can do that for you as well. Um, Let's see here. What else we got? Let's call out to, uh, Susie DeRider. If you remember, we had Ingrid Brown on the show, right? Oh, I, oh, you know what? I'm, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Someone asked a question about the DHL pricing power, uh, DHL pricing power supply chain index. He wanted to know if it was, uh, static or, or linear or what variables went in. So if it stays at an 85, it's a linear scale. So linear. That's the answer to that one. Uh, We're going to call Susie DeRider now. So we had Ingrid Brown on. She was talking to us about the the superheroes of trucking and those trucking poses. Ingrid showed us her awesome one. Then after that episode, Susie DeRider, who we're going to call now, she reached out to me and said that, you know, she's the winner. She said, great episode. I actually won this uh, Women Heroes of the Road contest. Let's bring her up on the air right now, dialing out she's uh mm-hmm. she's been uh she's she's got some tenure too she's been driving 40 years she's logged four million accident free oh. miles super excited Susie DeRider or should I call you women heroes of the road Susie DeRider we got her on the phone right now Susie thanks for joining us on the show oh you're very welcome are you uh, are you behind the wheel right now where where's the uh, road taking you today I'm in Fredericton New Brunswick right now sweet so we had Ingrid Brown on. You reached out to me afterwards. You are like, hey, you were talking about the Women Heroes of the Road contest. You had entered to win that one, right? You'd, you'd submitted your own. You got 1,310 votes for your Hero-like Strength submission. I think we have a picture of it if we can display and show the audience. But uh, super cool. How did, you, how did you find out about the contest and, and what made you enter?
4: I'm a member of the Women in Truck and Image team. And uh, I've entered the contest before and I've also won other contests. But this is far most votes that I ever got so I surpassed my my goal by <laughs> substantial amounts right so no, it was all good so all because I'm a member of women in trucking and they offer the contest yearly to us ladies right
1: it's awesome stuff. And I, 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 and I love, I absolutely love the, love the pose. It was better than Dooner's hero pose yesterday. What? I want the truck in case anybody missed that. Um, <laughs> I, have to go with you. I vote for years over Dooner's. Maybe we can put them up together and have a competition between the two, but <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't there the pose. But <laughs> so Susie, 40 years and logged 4 million accident free miles. You've got some stories and you've got some uh, advice to give to uh, women who might be looking at getting into trucking what would that be
4: i follow your dreams and go for it never let uh, anything scare you just go move forward and and follow your dreams like i've met so many ladies over the years that you know that say i wish i could have you know or whatever you know and and i said it's never too late to try follow your dreams and go for it
2: you know, there's about 5% of truck drivers are women. It It's declined a little bit. It was 7% a few years ago. What kind of changes have you seen for for women drivers ex- especially? Is the experience maybe better than it was in the past? Um, wh- what kind of environment would a woman be walking into in 2020 if she were going to go get her CDL?
4: Far better than they were many years ago. Like I said, we never used to have private showers or anything for women. Uh, We've came a long way in the industry. Uh, like I said, even the comforts of the trucks, um, everything. They they've uh, looked at us women, and, and they're more more comforting to us now, like providing us uh, comforts of the road and and all the way around. There's there's just, just uh, uh, quite a difference from when I started to the changes that I see now.
1: So, Susie, you've you've obviously been driving through the through the uh, COVID pandemic and the and the crisis and, and so on. How are you seeing things right now when you're out there on the road? What's the market look like?
4: Uh it's the freight is not as busy as it was before. Uh, it has slowed down a bit. Like the groceries and everything are still going full swing, but uh, as far as other commodities, not as much. People maybe are going online shopping rather than you know getting the freight like through the way the road said it used to go. I have no idea that way, but, uh, I do see a difference in that. Uh, the people show more respect to the truckers because they know they're bringing in the supplies that they need. I do see that going on more and people be more thankful to us. Yes.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. And, and it's a truck driver appreciation week as well. Um, I got to ask you, though, what kind of freight do you, do you pull where you're seeing that? Because we've, we've looked at the freight market. Some parts of it are extremely, extremely healthy, but then there's also some parts that are, that are lagging a little bit, and maybe you're in one of those sectors. So what do you pull?
4: I pull Reaper. It could be frozen in the Reaper. I don't pull much fresh produce. Uh, I do groceries, a lot of dry vans, uh, those commodities like that, like all LTL. Uh, I do containers from the pier, so I basically pull those types of trailers, either container, reaper, or dry vans.
1: You know, so as you mentioned the fact that, you know, the respect for, for the drivers is there and the appreciation for the drivers uh, and the front line in our supply chain has definitely upticked. That, that's got to feel good to feel that that recognition. There's also that sense I get from the drivers that, you know, we're here no matter what, whether you appreciate us or, or not moving forward. You know, it, it, we're moving this place forward. We're moving the economy forward. We're delivering those essential goods to everybody, the things that you need. It, if you got it, it came on a truck type of attitude. Uh, do you appreciate uh, it's hard to ask this question but do you appreciate the appreciation that you're seeing now and are you hoping it continues forward and if so how, how do we facilitate that
4: yes I do appreciate the appreciation that, that I am seeing uh, like I said a lot of people have even uh, when the first pandemic started, set it in, you know, started to set in quickly. Uh, a lot of people were offering us like free food, free meals. Uh, there's a little truck stop in Nova Scotia. There, um, she's been featured on all the news broadcasts and in the media everywhere. She was worked around the clock providing free meals for the truckers, and we couldn't thank her enough. Like the opening her doors, like. You know, just to have a washroom was something that they took away from us. And now I'm seeing more people like opening up the doors where we get more facilities. So we are very appreciative to all of that and, and see that coming from the people
2: all the way around, right? Oh, absolutely. Hey, what is, the, what is the women in trucking image team?
4: I'm part of their image team. And what we do is promote more women into the industry. And uh, there's a team of us in Canada and a team of us in the U.S and we all work together as a team, and we're promoting more women into the industry. That's our goal.
2: Wow, and what, what kind of uh, techniques do you use to attract women to get behind the wheel?
4: Uh, every day, I put on a positive image to do that. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> like I said, just from seeing, you know, like some girl or well, like lady might see me sitting in the truck and come over and talk to me about the job, and I'll promote it. I go to schools, uh, trade colleges, community colleges, Uh, I do a lot like a speaking events and everything to do to promote the industry. Like I go to the high school level where people, you know, we have a lot of girl gala nights where, you know, the young ladies are trying to choose a career for their future. And I just, you know, we set up a a booth and they come over and talk to me and I promote all my images and put my best foot forward to try to uh, show them and tell them all about where I've been, what I've done and, and how great of a career you can have. And move forward from there hopefully that i can pursue just one one person to do this that's my goal you know just move forward and, and bring as many ladies as i can into the business
1: so susie when when a, when, a, when a young woman approaches you uh ab- about your job what 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 is the thing that you think that every woman should really know before they start that job what is your key piece of advice
4: uh, it's not your normal job. Uh, you know, there is, you know, like you could do a city job or whatever, you know, be home every night. Be expected to be gone. Expected to be missing parts of, you know, events that goes on with your family. Like I've missed a lot, like birthdays, graduations, anniversary, you know, all that sort of thing. Like with family, like with normal people get to come home and stay every night, you know, and attend these functions. Expect to be gone. Uh, that's one, one of the downsides to it all. But, uh, you know, you miss out on a lot. But then the factors, there's other positive things. Like I have a family of people from the trucking industry that I built family. Uh, they're not actually my family, but I call them my family from all my friends from over the years. And, you know, we still stay in touch. And, and we go to the, you know, the truck shows and they're all there and we're all, you know, get together. And, you know, it's just that's a whole family in itself. So you have your family at home, plus you have your family on the road is what I say, you know. But, uh, you know, there is things that you miss, but there's a lot of positives to this job. And, and it's a great way to see the country. It's a great way to, to make a good, decent living. Like I said, uh, you know, I just sell that image every day to people that come up and ask me about my job. Like I won Women in Truck and Driver of the Year. Um, like anything that features me, like in a magazine or any kind of an interview, if that person could just look at that magazine and pick it up and say, You know, she can do it. I can do it. You know, and just take something away from what my interviews are, Mm -hmm. then that's a positive goal for me. So that's the way I look at the industry,
2: right? Susie, we have about one minute left, so I'm going to throw it to Nico Brown's question here. He says, what is one thing, what is the one biggest thing you think the industry could do to be more female-friendly?
4: Um the biggest thing to be more female friendly is maybe to promote and make it easier for women to get into the industry. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they might go to a, a company and they want experience. Uh, if you're not a mentor, you know, if your company don't offer mentoring for students or, you know, new people behind the wheel, then that's a difficult situation. So like I said, you know, to offer offer, make it easier for women to get behind the wheel, I would say more mentorships and, Companies to give people a chance in the industry.
2: Susie, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it, and congratulations again for winning that that photo award. Your pose was great.
4: Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
2: Thanks, Susie. Yeah, wow, excellent stuff. Another another great driver from out in the world. A lot of strong promotion for
1: uh, for women we've been doing here recently. Women drivers. Yeah, well, I mean it's 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 deserved, and and you know Susie's out there. She mentioned. If you listen to what she says she's doing, she's doing a lot of stuff, hitting up the, the trade schools and going to different shows and speaking events and really promoting this type of stuff. She's she's getting after it. That's for sure.
2: Absolutely. Well, right now we're, driving, we're dialing out. Oh, what happened? Uh, he wants to be like, why are you guys know.
1: just chatterboxing while
2: you're trying to be talking to me on the phone? We're on a live radio show, Eric. That's <laughs> why we got to keep the we can't have some dead air. while well, the phone rings.
5: Here. Hello, you reached Eric with Travel Local. Oh, leave uh, a what is he doing? As Houston
2: is possible. Okay, you know what? You guys go and play the video of his "Play It Forward" song uh, yeah. production. I will see what I can do about getting this guy on the on the air. Okay, go play his "Play It Forward" production.
5: Twenty twenty might down as our worst year, but the rock gave us tear from my mana. You're masking no more crowds But there's a silver lining in that cloud Oh, the rock gives tail manga Oh, oh, the rock gives terror manga Spread a lofa
2: Wow, so that's Eric Cornelius <laughs> from uh, Travel Loco. He's supposed to be on I'm going to dial out to him one more time Hopefully he picks up uh, if not, I'm gonna call my buddy Adam Robinson. But is it Eric Cornelius? Eric, are you here? Eric,
5: hi, Eric. Eric, Yeah, there you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, man, what's going on? He is. Jeez, <laughs> Leaving us at the altar
2: over here, right? Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. But now we got Eric Cornelius. Right. Well, Eric, well, we were trying to get in touch with you. We did play your "Play It Forward" song already. It was this this song. Well, tell us the story behind it. Actually, you you know better than we do.
5: Right. So, so you're talking about the trucking song, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously my background, I've been over the road for about 15 years prior to me coming uh, into the office here at Travel Loco. But yeah, um, I, I obviously spending time in the truck and just understand if you listen to the lyrics of it, I kind of took a shot at the DOT. (laughs) I think we're too, there's way too much regulation out here uh, for truck drivers and, (laughs) <laughs> and everything that's going on, but, but yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I had fun doing that song. Uh, another gentleman helped me with it. And we're actually heading to Nashville next weekend to professionally record it and put it on, uh, um, what's that? Uh, final mile, you know, trucker's final mile. We're going to do it as a support for them to, help them raise funds
2: oh we don't have that song we have the one you sent us about the 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 rocks
5: rum and he retweeted oh so you're talking about i'm sorry you're talking about the rocks. so this is a whole different project so that one is that took me by surprise that night so i sat there and obviously i uh did you say rum or tequila so it's a Uh, (laughs) taramata yeah taramata tequila and uh, i sat there and said you know let me do a little jingle for him and see if i can get it uh shared or something with it i put it out and and within an hour i assumed it was going to be the next day, maybe that week. Uh, and then within an hour, he shared it. And and my Instagram just blew up. I mean, everyone was hitting me up and, and, and talking to me. And, and that same night, uh, a gentleman in California did a remake of it or, or a cover song to it and uh, with his daughter. And it was the cutest thing. And I, I sent it to my girlfriend. And she said, do you know who that is? I <laughs> have no clue. She said, that's uh, her Kardashian's brother, uh, Brandon Benner. So, Brandon Jenner did a cover to it and tagged me in it, and I thought it was the coolest thing. But if you haven't heard that one, check that one out. That's a, that's a very cute version of it. Oh,
2: yeah, we haven't heard it. So, we were, Mike Levinson and I were curious, uh, if you had, like, sort of an influencer deal, so that's why you wrote the song, or did you write the song to get the attention of The Rock?
5: So, I wrote the song because, one, uh, obviously, me being raised in Hawaii, The Rock is, is from Hawaii, and I, uh, I I love Tequila. <laughs> it uh-huh. really is a, a good product. If you drink tequila, try it. Um, but yeah, I, I just basically sat there and just wrote the jingle and, and and shared it out. And and surprisingly, he he shared it to his page.
2: Well, Michael, what have you, yes. Michael? Have you heard the DOT song? What was the DOT song? Can you sing it for us? We we didn't get to hear that one because you sent us the rock song.
5: Oh yeah, so, so that's on my. Unfortunately, I'm in the, the truck right now driving. Um, my uh, the song that I wrote about the. Uh, it's called big truck life. It's on my YouTube channel. And that's the one that we're going to record next week in Nashville and actually put it up on uh trucker's final mile for them to kind of just sell it, uh, have a download for it, like a dollar or something, all proceeds go to trucker's final mile. So, so everything we do, will just go straight to trucker's final mile. And it's basically just a, a trucking song. We have several trucking songs that we're putting together because obviously it's, it's, we're heavily influenced by the industry. Um, but yeah, we, we have several coming out. Um, Everything should be on my Instagram, Eric Daily Music, uh, on Instagram if you guys want to check it out.
1: That's awesome stuff, uh, Eric. And, and obviously, you got some talent. So, how long have you been playing? Uh, I'm looking at your photo here. What kind of, what's your favorite acts?
5: Yeah. So, so being raised in Hawaii, uh, one of my favorite uh, music is Hawaiian music. Uh, but uh, the influence of my music being from the south I say that my family's from the south but me being raised in Hawaii um, country music is something I hear recently picked up uh, I do love country music and obviously living so close to Nashville from here in Georgia um, I, uh, I, I think it, when it comes to now with COVID-19 and all this craziness in the world I, I try and find I'm trying to find some inspirational music or some stuff to put out there that just puts a smile on someone's face uh, it's such an unknown time. I mean, it's crazy times we're living in, but yeah, so I, I started playing uh, a couple of years back in a truck. I mean, you got tons of time, you know, doing your 10 hour breaks or whatever, sitting at a truck stop. So a lot of guys I know, in fact, people on our fleet here at Traveloco, they play instruments as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's basically how it started. Me just sitting in the truck saying, what am I going to do with all my time? Hell, let me write a song. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> well, you know, one of our friends, uh, Max Farrell over at WorkHound, he uh, he used to go out some truck drivers, and he said he'd break out the turntable, turntables during those rest breaks and get in some DJ going, get in some alleys. By the way, we got to get him to play it forward with us, Michael Vincent. Uh, yeah, amen. But either way, so how'd you hook up with Travel What do you guys do over there, just to give you uh, a chance to talk about that?
5: Yeah, so um, I've been with Travel for several years now, um, prior to, to being a on the road with him, obviously, and then coming into the office and helping them grow the company. There's a smaller company out of California. We're at about a hundred trucks now. And we moved out to Georgia from California. So uh, ultra liberal to down here in the South now. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a change. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we basically just all own an operator fleet. And and to be honest, I watch a lot of y'all's programming, especially there at freight waves. Uh, you guys are probably the top notch when it comes to anything about this industry. Oh, so I watch you guys a lot. Um, (laughs) Wow, that, that that was long. Out
1: goes my <laughs> <laughs> so, so,
5: so I watch you guys a lot. Great information y'all put out and, and revolutionize what uh, what uh, Craig Fuller's doing. Wow, just shocks me. Um, but yeah, so we we cater to only owner operators here. Uh, we are a spot freight company, so the information you put out, our fleet looks at it as well. Um, and and yeah, we we don't have customer bases right now or customer base right now. We deal with a lot of brokers that are our our day-to-day customers and we do load boards and spot freight. Uh, and, and I mean, hell it's doing so well right now. You see the trends and, and you guys have the information. Spot freight is, is killing it right now. Yeah. So hey. uh, our our drivers are extremely happy.
2: I bet they are, Eric, you know, we're going to have to have you come in studio and we start having guests back in the studio on some of our, our regulations lift. And we'll have you play that DOT song for us, uh, us live. Y- you can't give us a bar. Can you give us a bar just to taste? Uh,
5: He's driving. He's driving, you guys said everyone was just <laughs> seriously. Come yeah. on, let, let me pull up. <laughs> Why do y'all? It's uh, it, it's basically just a big truck life song. Um, we love this big truck life, got the windows down, tanks filled up, passing miles trying to make them bucket. Yeah. We love this big truck life. So that's how it basically goes. If you want to check it out again, (laughs) check out Eric Daly's music on Instagram. Um, But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send you over a copy next week when we get it professionally recorded. And I think you're going to like it, man. You probably won't play it much because I do take a dig at the DOT and the ELD stuff. I tell them where they can put the ELD or shove the ELD. ELD
2: didn't <laughs> so. take my baby away. Like I, I'll play, it.
5: man. Here's a little Kavon
2: right. for, <laughs> for you, brother. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us on here. We'll have you. Uh, we'll have you come back on and uh, in, uh, you know enjoy that afterglow of a, of a rock retweet. I need yeah. one of those one day.
5: For sure. You guys have a great day.
2: You too. Take it easy, brother. Wow, he was a good
1: time. <laughs> I'm glad we got him up. I'm glad we did too, and I, I, I like that you pushed him to get that tune out. That was that was good. We've we've got audio of that now. We can uh, we can we can use that. We have the yeah we have <laughs> the first awesome. official recording. He did
2: acapella, and he did it with gusto.
1: Acapella, and he's right down in Georgia, man. Maybe we can get him in here and help us produce that uh, Dooner and the Dude uh, tune one of these days. Uh, the bad
0: news and good
2: news. Boom! Boom! Let's see. Oh, good news first. We're starting out with good news. Nikola's Class 8 fuel truck production is planned for 2023 at a plant under construction in Coolidge, Arizona. Around the same time, Nikola will be in construction on Hydrogen Station, pairs to serve specific customers. The first will be Los Angeles to Phoenix Quarter along Interstate 10. That is according to their CEO, Mark Russell. And, uh, you know, they've been uh, they've been under fire. They're in crisis management right now because that Hindenburg report yeah. we've covered extensively on this show. But Mark Russell st- still did a couple of events and speaking events this week where they uh, they talked about it. They said it's business as usual. Nikola, if you know, they've been promising the build-out of hydrogen stations for a while. It's gone from, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2022 2023 2020. It just keeps moving up a little yeah. bit. Can't keep getting kicked down the road. Well, here's some bad news. Here's some bad news. Uh, here's another sort of pivot for the company. For the first time, Nikola's CEO, Mark Russell, said Nikola will need, the tr- need to truck compressed gas to stations where electricity costs are just too much to justify on-site production, also according to Bloomberg, a shareholder sued three Nicola executives in U.S. District Court in Brooklyn, New York, based on the Hindenburg allegations. And you know what? The company it just seems like it, things just keep changing. the uh, The estimations on mileage keep getting worse and worse. The um, the you know the ease of use and functionality of the hydrogen stations becoming more and more difficult. Uh, what do you make of that?
1: Yeah. I mean, that. that we, we talked about that before, the, the inefficient process of, of producing this, this hydrogen. And now we see it here and that they're going to have to truck the, the, the compressed yeah. gas to those stations. So the infrastructure is going to be very, very difficult. But, you know, Dooner, the more questions, there seems to be more questions yeah. uh, in this whole situation. It, it doesn't sound good right now. Not at all. I got some other bad news here, uh, Dooner. Early Wednesday on Highway 8 between Seaforth and Clinton, Ontario, an out-of-control truck barreled its way towards a school zone. Police received reports of a truck driving erratically, but were not able to get the driver to stop. Despite the numerous police vehicles following behind with lights and sirens activated, the driver failed to stop. Spike belts were were deployed and several tires were deflated. However, the vehicle continued trucking along at a low at a low speed. Uh, the Ontario Provincial Police said in a news release. CD, uh, good news, though, Dooner is check this out. Cdl uh, Cdl Life reports that a Huron Ontario Provincial Police officer jumped onto the moving truck and was able to enter the cab and bring the vehicle to a safe. Whoa. stop so uh, yeah so um, the Canadians have a reason for jumping on a on a truck un- unlike Florida man
2: <laughs> oh yeah well no this was an officer I mean what what, a, what an amazing thing you gotta, that's like a movie you have a truck yeah. barreling into a speed zone uh, and you have a truck driver yeah I mean you have an officer jumping there getting this thing to stop and then you know like putting the spike strips out crazy action movie. let's give him a little applause well, a cowbell yeah, to amen. that guy
3: oh, oh save the school
2: zone well, that was it that was a good story. thank you for sharing that one with us, brother. <laughs> you got it brother
3: yeah
1: that I mean it is I mean, jumping on that truck and and beating his way into the cab and and getting that thing pulled over it it's you know he avoided something that could potentially have been very bad.
2: what was up with the driver? even
1: slow moving even slow moving that truck can cause some serious damage and obviously injury
2: yeah, at least a pothole too you know i mean what what uh what what was the driver's problem does it it didn't say it didn't say. All right. Maybe just mental health issues. You know, that's another big concern. Yeah. Actually, Rhonda says, Susie, thank you for your insight. I often wonder about the mental health when truckers are on the road for so long. Wow. Thank you for being a strong female winner. I don't know if this was a stolen truck, if the guy was the actual driver of the truck, what what he was thinking. But apparently he stole the truck. Michael Vincent, I got some good news for you. PlayStation 5 pricing. PlayStation 5 pricing. Uh, is out and pre-orders are active. On Wednesday, Sony Play, Sony announced the pricing. It's uh, $399 for the digital edition, $499 for the one with a, a 4K disk drive. Much lower than expectations. People are expecting uh, as much as $599 and $699 for these categories, but they're aggressively pricing themselves against the Xbox X. Now, Here's the bad news. At this event, they announced that pre-orders were going to go live on Thursday. But what happened is that uh, retailers, Walmart, GameStop, Amazon, they all put them live on Wednesday. And this caused chaos. And I don't know if you've ever been part of a video game release, but people go rabid for these things. You have people who really want it. You have people trying to get ahead of it to get it for Christmas. You have the scalpers trying to put it on eBay all of those kind of things. And when you try and pre-order, if you've ever – I actually found out. I got wind of this. I was putting my kids to bed at uh, around 8.20. Best Buy emails me while I'm in the room. I don't see the email until 8.25. I go in there. I go on Best Buy to order it. Obviously, the site just keeps crashing, crashing, crashing. You, and you get the most frustrating thing. You can add the PS5 to your cart, but, like, the, the wheel just keeps spinning when you try to yeah. check out. I eventually give up after reading on Twitter that everyone was experiencing these problems. Pre-orders sold out everywhere. Um, then my kid comes to bed at 2 in the morning, right? And then I just looked over at my Best Buy app, and I was like, let me just try to hit checkout one more time. It goes through. It goes through. I got the damn thing, man. <laughs> it went through. I was and then I was looking online. I guess it, it, was just, it was just a stroke of luck. It was just one of those timing things. And I guess within like three minutes, those ones were all gone too. But a lot of people got in on, on that bounty. But right now, you remember we talked about how Sony was worried people wouldn't be buying these things? Well, uh, yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. Well, they can't they can't keep the preorders in stock, and a lot of a lot of people are very upset with the ones who who can't get the system are upset with Sony right now, complaining about it. I mean, this happens with every video game release. I think you know supply chains can only make so many of these PlayStations, So you know was that analyst saying. Maybe they won't make any money. As many might just have to be doing what the, the production they could do so maybe they can blame what they thought the marketplace would be instead of having the heat put on or them. Or it not, was not a make
1: possibly a marketing ploy, Dooner. I don't know.
2: Yeah, of course. Scarcity's good, right? Scarcity's good. If you have everyone on Twitter yeah, going, absolutely. where can I get the next pre-order? But parents, I have a hot tip for you. I have a really, really hot tip for you. You're to to glad you stayed on with the truck this long because you got your kids at home. They said they really want this PS5. Follow this account on Twitter. It is at Wario64. This person is faster than anyone about putting those pre-order links up. And do one more thing. If you're really desperate to get one of these for yourself or for your kid, click the bell on Twitter. That will give you a notification immediately when someone tweets, including that account. So when they tweet, you will know right away. Uh, And they just put up that Sony is going to be putting some more out right now. They'll probably be gone within a minute. So guys, make sure you check that out if you really want one of these for your kids. Some of those games look absolutely crazy. I mean, it's going to be hard for movies and TV to to compete with the immersion that games are bringing to you now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Duna, we got to wrap this up. I got to get out and make my TikTok videos before it gets banned this Sunday, bro.
2: Okay, well, check us out uh, on Monday. We'll be back on What the Truck. You can find the show on uh, Freecast on your uh, – look up What the Truck on your favorite podcast player.